I'm hot for teacher. We thought we were done. We thought we were finished. We thought we would never talk about a movie minute by minute again. But we were wrong. Join us as we get to know the cast next door. Hello and welcome to The Cast Next Door, where we love your mother's biscuits. I am your host for this week and next week and the week after, and you may have heard my voice previously on the bonus episodes that I have done up to this point, the most recent of which went out yesterday. I am also the editor of most of the episodes, and also you will hear my name credited as producer, and I am Darren. And with me today, for my first minute this week, and my first minute as host proper, I am joined by two returning guests. First, returning all the way from minutes 13 to 16, is Martin. Hello, Martin. Hello. And returning from more recently, minutes 25 to 28, the morning after minutes, the regret minutes, uh, it's Zach. Hello, Zach. Hello. Hey, now, um, the minute that we're going to be talking about here, guys... It's mostly um, it's mostly self-contained, mm-hmm. as are quite a lot of these minutes I've found. It's true. It's um, a little one-act yeah. play in the middle of the uh, the middle of the movie. We've just had some. Um, I believe Kevin and Noah were off shooting some pumpkins out in the woods, mm. whilst um, Noah was poisoning Kevin's mind against Garrett, <laughs> his father. Yeah. Um, this poison. This poisoning will continue in the next minute. Um, with terrible consequences for yes. the spineless, like, the spineless yes, Kevin. The seeds of discord right. are now sprouting. Truly, with all of the skill of Iago, he has warped Kevin's mind. Um, <laughs> I would like to note that Kevin is maybe the easiest person to manipulate who has ever lived. Like, it takes 14 seconds for him to completely turn against his own father. If this kid doesn't join yeah. Scientology later in life, like... <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because like obviously when um in the in the very early minutes when we first met noah the first person that he kind of spoke to at length was kevin yeah. uh when he took him on a trip to the hardware store to meet ali callahan and um like almost immediately <laughs> kevin was like you know we're we're 30 seconds late to this allergist meeting let's just blow that off so i can go hang out with this guy like he put his own health at risk from the very first moment that he met noah yeah, I don't understand. There's got to be, like, more than just a friendship aspect to his relationship with Noah, right? Because he's weirdly and immediately trusting of this guy in a way that nobody should be. It's almost... Kevin's relationship to Noah is almost as creepy as Noah's relationship to Claire. I think that might be by design. I think Noah might have realized how weak Kevin is, and that is kind of like the linchpin to his plan. I kind of wish the turn had been that Kevin... Also, boy next door Noah, while Noah was boy next door in Claire. <laughs> that would have been great. Just turns it, turns it to this weird kind of aurobras of uh, a snake eating itself. Exactly, yeah. Uh, which... I mean, the underlying dynamic is um, Noah wants to replace, um, wants to usurp the role of the father right. in yes. uh, that family. So yeah. But... That's why he takes the son into the woods and... Uh, 
teaches him to shoot in a <laughs> denim shirt and tie. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that leads specifically into this minute because... Um, you know, Claire is boasting. She's literally just said, you know, tell your tell your father about what you're doing in computer class. Um, he's learning to write his own software, like father, like son. And Garrett's sure. like, oh, cool, you know. Um, but then Kevin, you know, without any kind of remorse, is like, I dropped it, you know. And Claire's like, what? Yeah. Uh, and he's like, I dropped it. It was boring. I'm going for boxing. And well, Garrett's like, you're going out for boxing? <laughs> it's like. You know, I can understand Garrett's kind of surprise. Yeah, I'm, I'm honestly surprised choice. when he said, I'm going out for boxing, that no one at the table laughed aloud, assuming it was a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the rest of this minute should have just been 45 seconds of both uh, Garrett and Claire laughing nonstop really at the hard, idea. Yeah, that <laughs> yeah, Kevin... And then a neighbor comes by and says, what's going on? And they tell him the story and he starts <laughs> yeah. laughing too. I think that would have been great. And then the mayor of the I mean, town walks past and he's like, what's going on in this house? And they're like, oh, you know, Kevin's going out for boxing. And he just keeps laughing and laughing. Um, I mean, in all fairness, nobody laughs at Garrett when he tells us that he's a computer programmer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Nobody, nobody, laughs at, nobody laughs at J-Lo when she speaks Yiddish all of a sudden. <laughs> but um, I do like that Garrett says, after learning that he's doing computer programming at school, that we can do some stuff together in the famously social field of computer programming. <laughs> they can have some quality yes. bonding time. Writing yeah. their own software. Yes. Two guys sitting next to each other at computers tapping on keyboards. Yes. Such a social activity. Oh, I have bonded um, so much with my father over HTML and <laughs> hyperlinks. That's uh, good screenwriting. Don't be too specific. <laughs> He's writing his own software. Yeah, like, yeah. The, the audience will go, oh, software, I know what that is. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. I can That's, sit. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm seeing I'm seeing a, um, a, a, a possible timeline where this movie could have crossed over with a talking cat. Oh, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Only. I could have met Phil. Tina could have been in, like, in his software programming class. <laughs> yeah. That would have been so beautiful if there had just been a shot of Kevin in, in his computer lab and sitting right over the other side, just slightly... So you kind of think, oh, is that her? It's just Tina just sitting there doing some uh, some programming with a cat Spending the next entire, to Spending the entire class period reading one article. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, but that's, that's a different movie, I guess. Um. Entirely, unfortunately. Now, we get... We, like, Kevin is petulant here. He he's, he's angry, and we actually get some key information revealed within this minute, which is that Claire and Garrett have been split up for nine months. Because Kevin reveals this in the most subtle way. And actually, uh, here is where I will praise this screenplay. Many moons ago, I listened to the director's commentary for uh, War Games. And on that commentary, the screenwriters pointed out that the only time people tell each other stuff that they already know is when they are in an argument. Mm -hmm. And this scene uses that perfectly in that Kevin is like, you've been missing it for nine months, Dad. You, you just can't expect to come back here and pick it up like nothing happened. And that nine months, you know, that is, that is the only time that he would throw that number back at his father is in the middle of an argument. So that is some good screenwriting there. Good exposition. If... However, I don't know that it's totally necessary to the story that we know specifically how long Garrett's been gone. Um, well, I mean, it's one of those questions that isn't answered in the first three minutes when they give you all the kind of backstory of that they're, they're split up. Um, and also you kind of have to think to yourself, like, 
how desperate is Claire for like some human contact? Mm. Like, if Garrett had only been gone like a couple of weeks, would she necessarily have succumbed to Noah's wiles? Or the fact that she, you know, it's getting close to a year of them being apart. That is, you know, that's quite a that's quite a lengthy amount of time. Sure. Um, you know, so I, I feel that you know, it, obviously, you don't need to know how long they're split up for, but I think it kind of adds to the idea that Claire would have, you know, done something. Um, you know, whereas if they'd only been split up for a shorter period of time, I feel that maybe Noah wouldn't have stood a chance. Earlier on, when um, when talking about Mammoth Lakes, uh, Garrett did say that he had business in San Francisco, and he talked about how, um, he, you know, even though he was going to San Francisco, he wasn't going to see his mistress, essentially, was what he was saying. Mm-hmm. But given that, you know, they've been split up for nine months, I, you know, I feel like Claire isn't fully convinced that he's not see- still seeing his mistress, because nine months is a long time for two people to be apart and to have not yeah. kind of worked anything out. Um, you know, like he could be back in the house, you know, sleeping in a different bedroom. Like, you know, so I, I feel it kind of speaks to the fact that Claire really does not trust Garrett. Um, it is a really um, efficient script for all the uh, first edition Iliads and so on that it contains. It is almost brutally efficient. Like, the first act is over in a snap. Yeah. And, and, and then it has all those. And yeah. he, here it makes sense as well, you know, for, for kind of... I mean, this this it's funny because Claire is sitting there, uh, but this scene is mostly Garrett and Kevin kind of arguing. Um, and I think, you know, they're obviously, you know, there's a kind of proxy war going on via Ooh. Noah here uh, for Claire's affection. And, you know, Kevin is the, the first weapon that he's using. It's really just Kevin yelling at Garrett because Garrett is pretty understand. Like we said, he could have laughed when he said he was going out for boxing. When he says, how do you <laughs> yeah. know I don't like boxing? Great setup for a joke because everybody knows that he doesn't like boxing. That's basically <laughs> a priori knowledge, pretty much, that Kevin doesn't yeah. like boxing. And uh, he yeah. never gets mad. Like, he's just like, let him go. He just needs space. He's super understanding about the whole thing. Kevin is the only one who's really kind of upset. It's not really an argument. It's just a berating. Yeah. I mean, Claire also says that's enough. So she's kind of, you know, and Kevin's Kevin's like, no, dad's got to hear this. And, you know, life, life's been happening, dad, is my favorite line in this particular scene. Because <laughs> it's just such a stupid thing to say. Um, <laughs> you know. Um <laughs> and then he kind of he's like oh i got homework and he's like off um but i love that claire is kind of like hold you know finish your dinner like there's a whole meal there and no one's touched anything um and i feel that kind of speaks to claire's role as a mother and the fact that she spends so much of this film making food for other people mm-hmm. and they never really seem to completely appreciate it apart from of course noah yeah does love that was those cookies and the minute that was a theme also in the minutes that I covered where Noah because the beginning of the minutes I covered was the end of the sex scene where Noah was very giving and well, uh, yes. caring and yeah. attentive. And the last minute and was the breakfast where they were just kind of taking her for granted and she was bussing the dishes by herself, making them all food and desserts <laughs> while they just sat at the table and wondered what would be brought out next. Yeah. Uh, it's it's funny, yeah, because she, she like throughout this film, there's a lot of time spent with Jennifer Lopez making food for other people or taking their dishes out and cleaning them, and nobody really seems to appreciate that. And it's kind of it's this kind of stuff where it's like she's gone to the trouble of cooking Kevin a meal, and halfway through he's got petulant and angry and walked out, 
And if I was Claire, I would be like, just eat the food that I've cooked. That I've, you know, I've spent all day teaching the classics. And I get home and cook some food. I feel like they might use it a little symbolically, I guess. Because right before Noah, uh, Claire sort of falls for Noah, They she prepares that chicken for him. And uh, yeah. so I guess food is kind of just symbolic. If I want to give that movie enough credit of the family dynamic in this film. I don't know that Kristen Chenoweth ever eats any food she's prepared for her. Uh, no, I don't know, actually, because they have like a meal. Guacamole. Yeah, they have, like, the guacamole, and, of course, she mm. steals an ice cream from the fridge while they're doing the Statler and Wardorf routine. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. But, it's like, yeah, I don't I, I don't think Claire actually goes to the trouble of cooking food for, for Vicky. Uh, and, of course, they don't get to eat the meal at the bad date either, so... Right. Uh, you know, food... Up until this point, food well, seems to be playing They're eating together point. in the one scene. Um, there's the guacamole line. Again highly efficient and that's what this whole movie is like there's no um moment for any character that doesn't um tell us or um uh, uh reinforce something about the uh character and um it reinforces these uh, few very simple things that we know about all of them uh, but i mean obviously this scene you know it's mostly about garrett so but it's funny that claire is just like finish your dinner <laughs> and, and, yeah. and as you say, Zach, Garrett is not angry. He's just like, let him go. You know, he probably just needs some space. And in the food um, metaphor, him not finishing his dinner represents the increasing space between him and his family. Yeah. Hmm. yeah there you go. I, I'm not sure the screenwriter thought of that, but I guess we can I read doubt, that I doubt the screenwriter meant all that, no. But uh, we can still no. say it. Yeah. And this scene finishes with a shot which was reminiscent, I feel, of the opening shot of the birthday party, mm. which is a kind of horror um, killer viewing stuff from outside shot mm-hmm. uh, where we're out. We, we, we cut basically from the dining room to outside the dining room, looking through the window at the Peterson family, at, at Claire and Garrett. And, um, you know, it, it's really it's weird because that's how the birthday scene opened earlier. Yeah. Uh, and uh, like this is kind of a um, you know an aesthetic that this film chooses occasionally is to kind of have like uh, we I mean the suggestion to me would be that like Noah is standing outside this window watching this going on. That's what I would with take Glee. from it too. Um... Yeah, but um, he's never revealed. Like there's no half second like turnaround shot right. so we can see that he's standing there. He also so doesn't I think laugh it's just this weird thing. Kevin suggests going out for boxing. From outside the window, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> that would that would be the giveaway, wouldn't it? Is um, he hears Kevin Sam going up for boxing, and Noah's just, from the outside. We can just hear this laughter in the distance. <laughs> yeah, um, be... I mean, it's a nice thing that Rob Cohen does throughout the film of having this this kind of these weird kind of signatures. Um, and I know that in the minutes you discussed Zach, he also had this thing where he has the pan down or pan up from the Correct. table, and he uses it twice um, in about two minutes. Yeah, and this is the second time in this film that he's used the outside shot looking in through the window. But, of course, uh, we've also had the courtship of Noah and Claire conducted through them looking at each other through the window Mm. um, late at night. Um, So it's kind of, you know, windows and looking through windows seems to be something that this director is enjoying doing in this film. Although I can't quite fathom why. Um, So, Well, I think it... If we, if we are um, reading into things, it kind of uh, delineates the um, domestic sphere that is um, under threat from uh, outside. Yes, 
I mean, that makes sense to me. Yeah. Uh, like I mean, Peterson House is a is a safe place. Um, so, I mean, that's. Is there anything else you want to say about this this kind of family dynamic that we get in this this um, dining scene, which you know quickly turns from the very beginning where Claire's like, "Oh, tell your father about this nice thing," to Kevin petulantly running away, screaming, yeah. "I hate you, Dad!" On a, on a dime, really. Kevin was ready to go with that one when he sat down to the table. Yeah, and of course, the boxing is a little <clears throat> bit of foreshadowing. Yeah, although I do schools. Most schools don't even have boxing, do they? It seems like a relatively dangerous sport for a high school. I don't think mine did. As we see in the final few seconds of this minute, there is a reason why uh, this school has a boxing program of some description. And that's because they have a gigantic school gym <laughs> that is just huge and has, as we enter the shot, a, like a, what looks to be a full-size boxing ring. Uh, and the camera sweeps over and we see some kids fighting. One gets knocked down and we get a bit of a reaction from the crowd. Yeah, he gets socked pretty good. Yeah, and this, this gym, and the, and the crowd love it as well. They're really into it. And um, this gym, which will be the focus of the next kind of um, two minutes at least, um, it is really, really big. Like uh, maybe, um, maybe it's like yeah. how football is in Texas, where high school football is what? everybody's super into all of Friday Night Lights. Maybe that's how boxing is in this town. It's the hot, hot San thing. Bernardino, all about boxing. I, I mean, I guess. Like, like I just said, I mean, I don't feel like amateur boxing would be something that would be encouraged within a school environment. No. Um, so, I, I mean... I don't know. Definitely not over here, but... No, yeah, I mean... Yeah, I, This town, though, they clearly invest a lot of money in boxing. <laughs> I guess... I guess someone's endowed them with this gigantic gym and this full-size boxing ring. And so they're like, look, I don't care what you got to do. Just get some kids every Friday to just punch the crap out of each other because we maybe, paid for Maybe the gym. boxing ring was here first. Maybe they built a school <laughs> around it. It's an ancient boxing ring, a mystic boxing ring that they just yeah. found in a field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It used to be, it used to be where... Um, I don't know the the uh, some native tribe had their right. uh, trials by death. Sure, gladiatorial combat to the death <laughs> to appease the gods happened in this boxing ring long ago. Yeah, I say. I mean, are you imagining there's some kind of like Indian burial ground under that boxing ring, so they can't move the ring? It has to stay there, so that all the ancestors buried underneath it who lost, uh, you know, like it would be dishonor them if they if they moved that gym. Um, I mean, I guess. <laughs> It just seems it just seems like such a large gym, and I guess once you've got a gigantic gym with a boxing ring, then you just have to make people box. Um, otherwise, you know what are you paying for? Um, yeah, <laughs> uh, I guess it's I guess it's a bit like Field of Dreams. If you build it, they will come. Um, and if, if you build it, they will punch. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you very much. Uh, Zach and Martin for joining me. I feel like we've kind of covered as much as we can in this uh, minute. The real action, of course, begins um, in the next couple of minutes, just as, as we we finish up. We kind of miss the excitement um, to come, um, but obviously I'm going to be here all week, so I get to cover that. Unfortunately, <laughs> you guys don't get to. Um, yeah, we're missing the minute that kind of rips off a history of violence. <laughs> I'm really sad about that, but... 
<laughs> there you go. Well, I mean, we've had in this minute we get the kind of you know the the uh, not Chekhov's gun, but we get the we get the the scene setting of he's going out for boxing, and then that's what's no, next. This is and important. If, we set up that uh, Noah is a psychological threat, and the future minutes set up that he is also physically uh, dangerous. I guess. <laughs> And it's a nicely contained uh, minute. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, I feel I feel we got a good minute here. Um, yeah. So, gentlemen, do you have anything to plug? I will go with um, alphabetically backwards, Zach. Yeah, uh, I have a podcast of my own called the Revisionists Podcast, which you can find on the internet's or Facebook page, what have you. Okay. And what's your Twitter handle for that? The Revisionist Pod, I believe. Uh, and Martin, is there anywhere on the internet we can follow you? Oh, you can follow me um, on Twitter, on Tumblr, um, several other places, I think. Um, I'm at me underscore VS underscore Gutenberg on all of them. Gutenberg spelt like the press, not the actor. Yes, sir. One T. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, thank you both for joining me on this minute. And thank you, obviously, for taking part in the earlier minutes. Um, you know, we are almost, we're, in a few minutes' time, we are at the halfway point of the film. Um, so, you know, the the action is quickening up, and we are heading quickly towards the craziness that will be the finale. Um, so, you know, everyone stay tuned for that. So, thank you very much for listening, and goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to A Talking Cast Presents The Cast Next Door. I was your host, editor, producer, Darren, with my guests, Zach Powers and Martin Sand. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at First Ed Iliad, or download new episodes from thecastnextdoor.wordpress.com, or subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Artwork by Josh Hollis. The Boy Next Door is owned by Blumhouse, Smart Entertainment, New Rican, and Universal Studios. No infringement is intended. Copyright 2015. All rights reserved. This is a first edition?